0: Upper Michigan's Happy Hour, the sports pen on ESPN-UP, the only sports show that does not require you to wear pants. That means whether you're listening, whether you're producing it, working from home has its advantages. Tanner Hoops here Friday afternoon. We made it through another week, our first week of June, and we're delighted to be joined by Ryan Stieg. He's kind enough to lend us his time per usual on Fridays and co-host today's show with me. What's cracking, Rhino?
1: um nothing much uh it's, it's another Friday uh like i have been saying before kind of like the days kind of flow together you know a little bit uh Friday is the one that stands out of course, mm-hmm. but it's just like the other day I was just like, oh it's Thursday How about that <laughs> i had I had no idea I, uh, I I actually have to do something today so <laughs> I right, so yeah um I'm glad it's Friday but uh it's 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 the day that's fixed out otherwise they all kind of just flow together well
0: i I know what day is going to stick out for a lot of people up here coming up is going to be wednesday because we can finally get haircuts again among other things uh i definitely need one what about you are you are you kind of in that market well i need one but not as badly as some other people
1: do Mm -hmm. i was able to get one right before the uh the salon started to close so i was able to weather this by looking you know somewhat presentable I guess you know know, so it's like where we haven't had to resort to clippers or anything so uh, I did have to trim my sideburns because they were getting really shaggy Mm. Um, but uh, other than that I've I've been doing okay.
0: I had the Roethlisberger beard going for a few weeks, and I just could not do that anymore, so I got rid of that. But uh, my hair grows pretty quick, and I did get one, uh, get a haircut, before all this really started getting crazy. Uh, But my hair grows quick, and I have really thick hair. So, like, it's thick, it's wavy, and it's not something that... Uh, you can really stand when it bunches up and we get to the summer weather like this, you know, because next week we're supposed to get into the nineties from what I saw. So I'm ready, man. I'm overdue for a haircut and, uh, I, I'm excited for it. I, I'm hoping that this means brighter days are ahead and things are starting to open up and, you know, we have a plan for sports, uh, coming up, the NBA, the NHL, baseball is just squandering their opportunity to be relevant for the first time yes. in how long, but, uh. You know, we're we're starting to get back there, I'm hoping, and that's what I want to talk about today is who has the better plan, or whose do we like better, basketball or hockey's return to play to uh, try to get their season finished up. Uh, plus, uh, some big news happened with Alabama Huntsville since Ryan was on last week, and what was the worst firing in college football in recent memory. Uh, We have some good discussions coming up on all of that. Oh, plus the Friday funnies per usual. All that and more over the course next hour here on ESPN-UP. Ryan, before we get into actual sports, though, I want to do one of our favorite things here, and that's talk about something that has nothing to do with sports and go down the rabbit hole, because this has been bothering me. Um, I watch The Simpsons a lot. I'm binge-watching it, and I know you're a Simpsons fan, too, so I know that I can When I have things like this, dilemmas, I know I can talk it out with you, what have you, but I was reading something online, and it caught my attention, and now I can't stop thinking about it. Someone asked, what accent does Ned Flanders have? Like, what does he sound like, or where is he from, based on his accent? And somebody said, it sounds like an Iowa accent. And I'm like, is that right? Like, do other people think, because I can see it, but it's not the first one that comes to mind? I don't know. Where do you think Flanders would come from? Like, what does his accent sound like?
1: First, I didn't even know that Ned ha- That there was an Iowa accent. I really <laughs> didn't know that was a thing. So I, I, I guess if that was an Iowa accent, I suppose that could be the case. Um, I think um, – I feel like if – He's got an accent. It's probably more so, like, on a southern accent, mm-hmm. but not. But it's not like a heavy twang like Cletus might have <laughs> or the rich Texan. It's more like, a, I, you know, I grew up in, like, the cities in the south, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I grew up in Nashville, or I grew up in... You know, where like you have a a hint of an accent, but you're around so many different people that it doesn't really stand out. You know, like if you're, I don't know, in the, I don't know, backwoods of Kentucky or something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those. That's, that's my theory
0: on that. I could see him being like Southern, but not deep South Southern, you know, like his personality, his values and everything. It kind of makes me think like. Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, something like that, somewhere in the Midwest, or, you know, as Ned would say, the (laughs) mid-diddly-west. Well, Springfield does
1: border, you know, uh, Maine, Nevada, Kentucky, (laughs) and Oregon, so there you go,
0: you know. I tell you what, um, you know what, it was a long time ago, but I wish Maud Flanders was still a character, and I get it, why they had to kill her off and everything. But I actually liked Maud Flanders. She sounded like she was more Wisconsin or Minnesota, like really upper Midwest.
1: Yeah, and uh, didn't they meet each other at some, like, I don't know, Bible convention or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> so that would explain how, you know, Kansas Ned, you know, got to meet Wisconsin Maud. So I guess that would make sense. So there you go.
0: I tell you what – um, no I've been watching a lot of The Simpsons lately. Uh, I was watching the what do you remember the one uh, because I saw it last night the one where Homer ran for sanitation chief and yep. he, and he had that debate where him and the other guy are just screaming at each other and you know Homer's making fun of his age and just being a goofball like during the debate and I'm like this is the Trump Biden preview coming up like this is what those <laughs> debates are gonna be like and I also saw this one where you know what and I've always liked the Wiggum family like his characters especially Chief Wiggum and I thought you know Ralph is really funny that maybe they should make him more of a focal point but I saw an episode last night where like Marge tried to make Ralph and Bart be friends and then I thought you know what I think they kind of overused Ralph I think Ralph is funny because they use him in such small doses what have you that, mm-hmm. that that's what makes him funny
1: Ralph is best used as when he does like you know when he's in the classroom and he'll make a you know a stupid remark a one-liner yeah a one-liner that makes people laugh like you know my cat's name is Mittens or <laughs> <laughs> teacher I glued my ear to my head <laughs> something like that you know that's a, that's what makes Ralph funny if you focus an entire episode on him it's it's not the it's not the best because it's like then you, <sighs> Well, then there's like the Valentine's Day one where you just you start to feel sad for him because because he's so I don't know he's so friendly and yet so dumb <laughs> so it's like you start to feel bad for him when he's just kind of supposed to be a one-dimensional character <laughs> so yeah I I I feel like they should just leave Ralph to I don't know in his in his wheelhouse mm-hmm. which is like yeah. a brief like five-second appearance or something like that. Um, did, uh, have you ever seen the softball episode, mm-hmm. The Simpsons? Where they brought in all
0: the major <laughs> league players? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that not one. a
1: classic. It, it, it's, it's one of my top five. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, they did, like, this reminiscing thing, like, online. It was a couple of years ago. It might have been, like, the, I don't know, 20th anniversary or something. And they are talking about, like, you know, was that the best lineup to have at the time? Was that, you know, should they have had different players? And uh, frankly, everybody had their own little funny bit in there. So it's like, so that's what, uh, it's just a good episode. I I know that they originally wanted to get Ryan Sandberg instead Mm -hmm. of Steve Sachs, but uh, I I think Sandberg said he wasn't available. So they had to (laughs) get Steve Sachs in the twilight of his career. (laughs)
0: It's like uh all those guys that were brought in to be ringers for the company's softball game, the championship game, which Montgomery burns bet on, were major league players that were given, you know, just meaningless jobs at the factory. And then Mike Socha fell in love with it. Like Mike Sosha ended up loving it. Uh Steve Sachs got arrested. Ozzy Smith like got lost in the mystery spot, got sent to another dimension. Ken Griffey got uh radiation poisoning or something.
1: Uh, Brain and Tonic. That's
0: it. uh, (laughs) Gargantuan. And then uh,
1: Jose Canseco was stuck trying to pull appliances out of a uh, blazing apartment. And and then Wade Boggs was passed out on the uh, bar floor after getting knocked out after an argument about who was the greatest prime minister (laughs) in British history. (laughs) And then uh, Don Mattingly got let go by Mr. Burns for his
0: sideburns. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you didn't know what sideburns were.
1: No. Which is funny, because a lot of people don't know, but it was like later that, like the next season, he actually had to dispute with George Steinbrenner over his facial hair and stuff like that. It was like foreshadowing. (laughs) Which (laughs) the the Simpsons tend to do. Yeah, and he, so, there you go. Uh, But, uh, and eventually, I course in the episode he shaves his sideburns completely off and up into his hair <laughs> so there's no indication there could be sideburns it's a great it's a great moment
0: i love that episode that's up there with the one where lisa starts playing hockey that's one of my favorite ones that's a great one yep. yeah um boy we could do a top five for sessions <laughs> episodes it's a, those those are definitely up there those certainly make the cut um mm-hmm. But I tell you what, here we we talked about the Simpsons here early on, and that's therapeutic for me because I'm I these, these like these bother me. These questions, these thoughts about the Simpsons, it's like I don't know. I need to be like in a chat room or something. So let's finish out the segment by talking about what's happened with the WCHA uh, here over the last week or so because <laughs> we were just signing off air last week, Ryan, when Huntsville announced that they are going to play hockey this season they did get enough donations to save the program however the future depends on whether they can get a five-year funding cycle going beyond this season uh... mike corbett though was it sounds like he was asked to resign and he did and almost the entire huntsville staff is gone now and it sounded like a lot of the donors want fresh blood in there Um but it, it looks like huntsville is going to play again the WCHA would accept their membership for the upcoming season and I think there's reason to be reasonably optimistic that hockey could continue down there. I
1: think um, <clears throat> they're, I think they're going to be good for this year, um, but uh, I just they're going to be in a tough spot next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a lot of people are excited, you know, and I am too, that they're they were able to save the program. They're probably going to play this year, but the problem is they're going to be in an even tougher spot next year this <clears throat> this season was their last year in the WCHA now next year they're not going to have a conference and they're going to be back to being an independent so <clears throat> i guess they're going to be they're going to be in a tough spot next year because now they're going to have to come up with like a long-term plan i heard rumors that they want to have like a 5-year plan mm-hmm. so if they're going to keep the program, how are they going to sustain it? You know, I mean, because Huntsville too small of a school to be an independent team, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, I mean, Arizona State's been able to survive because they have a huge budget, right. you know, their Pac-12 school who's playing G1 hockey, they got, they got the money to support it, whereas a lot of these smaller schools, which I think I mentioned last week, are going to be struggling to support their teams even if they're in a conference. If they end up being independent and don't have one, they're going to be even rougher shape, which is what the Alaska schools are going to be next year. So, as happy as I am that they're getting to play this year, I'm wondering if they're going to be able to con- do it, you know, continue to do it in the some coming years. So, it was like a positive story to find out they were going to play and then but when you step back and look at it, it's like, This is like temporary happiness, and then you're going to be back in the same boat you were before.
0: And how do you attract a coach to a situation like that? Like you just forced out Mike Corbett, and uh, it's kind of a two-part question for you, Ryan. What does he do now? Where does Mike Corbett end up going? Because he's a guy that can coach. I think he did a lot more at Huntsville with the – uh, few resources he had than people give him credit for. And then, how do you try to attract a coach to an unstable program with an uncertain future? I and mean, who would be a coach that would be right for that job?
1: Well, I, I think the smart thing to do is to, I mean, Lance West is sticking around. He's the current interim head coach. Mm-hmm. So I would just stick with him at least this year. You got a guy who's who knows the program. The players who, that come back. I mean, there was just a signing today. Some guy announced he's going to play for Huntsville this year. So apparently they're getting some athletes. But you want a guy who's there and knows the situation. I, I would just stick with him, and then after the season, you can try to find if you want somebody else. It's not a Huntsville has always been a tough situation, and the fact that they're the only Southern school they're really way off on their own and you are they don't have ever since they moved to D1 they don't have the greatest history as they as a, they did when they were at ad D2 level school now they're you know they've kind of struggled they've made two NCAA tournaments almost won both games almost won have been two up huge upsets but um you know it's they they've been struggling there, and I would say them and the Alaska schools were probably the different, the most difficult schools to sell to get a coach. I mean, I remember when uh, Anchorage, when Matt Thomas was fired? You know, they were you know trying to find a coach forever, and everybody kept saying no and no and <laughs> And it's just because it's a rough situation up there. It's hard to recruit, just like in Huntsville. It's hard to get. Guys to start to get, like, Canadian kids and kids from the Midwest and kids from, you know, I don't know, Boston to want to come down and play hockey in Alabama away from everybody else. And, you know, they don't have an on-campus arena, arena. I know they're trying to. They've been trying to get into works, but they haven't really been able to come with a plan to do so. So, it's, it's an unstable situation. So... I think what they should do is use the guy they have now who's already known the program and the situation and have him coach this season. And if you're able to come up with a plan, like a five-year plan or even like a three-year plan, then you can like look at it and say, okay, do we want to stick with the guy or do we want to bring in new blood? Mm. Uh, the only other options, I think, is if they were to try to find an alum. You know, who maybe has some coaching experience. I don't know. There's a whole lot out there, but those are the other options. But if I were them, I would just stick with what you got. You know, Lance knows the situation. He does have head coaching experience. You know, he coached in Alaska, you know, mm-hmm. for a year. So he knows what is required of him and he knows, you know, how to recruit for that area. So you may as well just keep him now, and then if you decide, like, if they have, like, as disastrous of a season as they did last year, then maybe, yeah, you might want to go in a different direction. But at least for now, just kind of accept the fact that you're in a tough situation and go from there. That's
0: what I would do. How about Mike Corbett? Where does he go from here? Because, again, he's a guy that I think can coach better than his record shows. He did a lot with limited resources. What would be a landing spot for him, or where should he be looking right now?
1: You know, I'm hoping Mike does find a job. Uh Mike's a good a good guy. He's a great interview. He loves to he loves hockey. He's got a lot of good insights. Um you know, and he seemed to really want to be a part of Huntsville. You know, he wanted to build it up to the level that they were hoping to. But it was just a um it was just a tough spot for him because it's not easy to win there, no, at least yeah. to having a sustainable winning program. So I think it's tough. I think he uh, – oh, and by the way, I, I'm reading some stuff. Mike also favors letting Lance West continue to be the head coach. All right. So Mike Mike agrees with my assessment. Got so his endorsement. Go. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Um, But he just – I think – For right now, I'd love to see him get a head coaching gig. Um, But uh, I think at least for this year, he might have to settle because it's late in the game to just being an assistant coach. Um, You know, uh, there's the – I mean, there's an assistant coach opening in Vermont that he could try for. There's a change going from Alabama (laughs) up to New England. (laughs) But it'd be a lot easier to recruit up there. Vermont's had actually some – good success, you know, they've made the tournament, NCAA tournament fairly consistently. Mm -hmm. So, it'd probably be an easier situation for him. Um, The tough part is schools, thanks to the coronavirus, aren't exactly eager to hire people. Mm. (laughs) You know, they're kind of in a tough spot financially. They don't really want to get stuff. Um, I think At least for the time being, he's probably, at least if he gets a job this year, he'll have to be an assistant coach. And then maybe next year I can see him, maybe if there's a head coaching vacancy at uh, one of the smaller schools out there, I could see him getting that. If not, maybe he's got some connections in the minors. You know, maybe ECHL, um, AHL, maybe Maybe being a head coach in the u s h l mm-hmm. you know I mean there's a lot of options for him out there um i just i think it's a little too late in the game for him to be a head coach somewhere right now um but uh who knows i mean i <laughs> I didn't think Huntsville would end up getting the money they needed to sustain <laughs> a program that quickly so I, I any at this point i'm pretty uh anything in the sports world could happen so I hope he lands somewhere. He's a good guy, and um, he did everything he could to be successful in Huntsville, but it it, it just wasn't an easy thing for him.
0: Tanner Hoops, Ryan Steig with you on ESPN-UP. Let's take our first time out when we come back. Who has the better return to play plan, the NHL or the NBA? NBA. M Bank offers sophisticated banking solutions to support your business. When you bank with M Bank, we support you every step of the way, combining big bank resources with personal service and quick local decision making that moves at the speed your business moves. MBank has helped a wide range of small to mid sized businesses achieve success. Our experienced team makes it easy and convenient to help you grow. Let MBank design a personalized plan for your business. Unique needs. MBank, community focused, client driven, member FDIC equal housing lender. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. finish their upcoming seasons the NBA Board of Governors did uh, approve their proposal for 22 teams to finish out the 2019 2020 season in Orlando starting July 31st running through as late as October the 12th so we have both proposals on the table Ryan we've got the NHL's we've got the NBA's the NHL is going with their format you know you've got twenty four teams you have a play in round for the five through twelve seeds in each conference meanwhile the top four seeds are doing a round robin they are doing I think best of five in the play in round beyond that it's gonna be all best of seven and they're gonna reseed after each round They are not going to play any regular season games. The NBA, however, is. Everybody's going to play eight regular season games to determine seeding, and there will be a play-in round if there's anybody within four games of the final playoff spot in their respective conference. It'll be a double elimination playoff round, and then you get into the more traditional bracket beyond that. Which is better, or at least which do you like better, Ryan? If you had your choice and both leagues were going to follow the same path, whose proposal would you advise them to take, the NHLs or the NBAs?
1: I'm probably leaning towards the NHL. Me too. Because I I really don't see the point in having trying to continue the regular season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I It just seems like, I don't know, it's like, <laughs> are you trying to make it too perfect? Because the NHL realize it's way late in the game, If the NHL truly does restart again, which they're doing everything they can to start, the earliest they're going to be able to do it is maybe late July, Mm -hmm. you know? So, (laughs) it's like to have regular season games, I mean, the NBA season starts standardly in November. So, or maybe late October at the earliest. So, what is, (laughs) I guess it just seems kind of dumb to have just a few more regular season games when you knew who was most likely going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would – I mean, I like the expanded playoff format. I think it's good, but I feel like you could just start the playoffs based on who had the records to make in instead of trying to determine seeding that way. You could just look at everybody's records and just go, okay – this team should be the. Three seed, this should be the four seed in East Conference. Go that route.
0: Well, and it's like, you know, with the NBA, you've got teams that, you know, you're sending all 22 teams there. There's still a chance, but there's not 22 championship caliber teams there, and a lot of those teams know that. I mean, there's there's what? How many teams in the NBA? At least three, maybe four or five that actually could win a championship this year. A lot of these teams that are going down there they know it's not a championship year they're looking ahead to next year which the league is proposing starting the new season on December first would be opening day for the following NBA season they're looking ahead to next year I mean they they know they're not going to compete for a championship even if they have a good enough team or at least a good team right now they're thinking about protecting their star players from injury it's just you go like the Phoenix Suns I think are the last team in from the Western Conference They're not going to compete for a championship, so why would they risk putting Devin Booker out there to try and play into a double elimination round just to meet up with the Lakers in the first round and get bounced? Like, that's, that's the challenge here with the NBA, trying to have regular season games. I
1: just, you know, and you're right there. I just, every team that's going, like you said, there's about, four, five max that you can say, okay, this team actually has a chance to win a win the Larry O'Brien trophy. That's about the only level of teams. I mean, it was the case last year, too. I mean, there was a couple in the West, there was a couple in the East, and it would take a lot of things. To, you not only have to have the talent, but you have to have a lot of things go your way to be able to, be, to have the success of winning a championship. And some of these teams are like, okay, we're in the playoffs, we'll get some exposure from our, our team that we may normally not have at this time of year. People will, you know, get to watch our games, you know, and see what we can do, and then they can just realize, I mean, some of them, you know, are probably going to be eliminated very quickly. So you're just like, okay, now let's get ready for next year. Maybe we can, you know, focus on signings, you know, prospects, that kind of stuff. So I'm just – Go that route, and uh, I think it's like I'm so eager to watch sports again that I might watch the opening round games, Mm -hmm. even though I know how it's going to turn out. (laughs) You know, it's like, so it's, I'm intrigued, and the whole Orlando thing is interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you feel about the Orlando thing?
0: You know, it's an interesting complex down there and everything. Like that wide world of sports complex and Walt Disney World is a fascinating place. It really is. And I think that they're going to, I think this might be the best option available. Um, You know, they've put in social distancing orders for when uh, coaches and players are off campus, should we say. They can go out to restaurants as long as they distance themselves. They can play golf, what have you. And then, of course, the commissioner got himself in some hot water last night by saying that coaches who would be at risk may not be allowed to coach from the bench guys like Greg Popovich, Alvin Gentry, uh, Mark D'Antoni. Those guys are all over 65 years old. And that's, of course, one of the demographics that are most susceptible to COVID-19. And uh, those three coaches in particular weren't happy about that. They said, no, we're not wearing a mask. We're not going to coach from like a a box or something. We're going to be on the bench with our players. Um, And the commissioner said, yeah, it was probably Wrong to get that out early. I'm just, I'm so starved for live sports, Ryan, and that's why I'm intrigued to see how this plays out. Um, I don't hate the format for the NBA. I'll take anything at this point, but, you know, I do think I like the NHL's a little bit better. How do you feel about what the NHL is doing with reseeding after each round? They're not going to play a traditional bracket like the NBA or like they normally do, but they're going to ensure that the higher team, the higher seeded team, Uh, that's left is going to play the lowest-seeded remaining team, and they're going to reseed basically after every round rather than follow a traditional bracket. You like that, or do you not like that? Well,
1: I I think it's okay. I didn't like the fact that, you know, the top four seeds in the NHL have to fight for Mm seeding. I mean, it kind of takes away the idea of winning, you know, the President's Trophy if, you know, you don't. (laughs) <laughs> really get to be the number one seed unless you win, you know, your seeded games to, you know, get it. It just, I wasn't a fan of that, but, you know, I, I I like the reseeding stuff. I think it's okay. I'm okay with it.
0: How about this? Um, because the NBA was talking about some ways that they could compensate teams who earned home court advantage but aren't going to get that playing in a neutral site. Some of the proposals included. A player could be designated to get seven fouls instead of six. He could have an extra personal foul. You give the higher-seeded team the ball automatically to start the second, third, and fourth quarters following the opening tip. Uh, Even that you could dismantle your home court and bring it down to Orlando piece by piece and reassemble it before you play. Those are all things that are seriously being considered for how to compensate teams who – home court advantage but don't get it what could the nhl do like i don't think they're going to do anything like it or make it a gimmick but it, let's just have fun with this and think about it like what would you do in hockey if you were doing something similar something gimmicky and outlandish like that like uh the higher seeded team only gets you know one minute penalties like the lower seeded team gets a one minute power play instead of two um i i don't know ryan what what what's some uh, what's some kind of gimmick the n h l could do if they wanted to go that route?
1: you could have every team who's the higher seed get to play get to paint their logo at center ice <laughs> there you go eh, maybe maybe that makes them feel more at home yeah i mean other than that though I'm trying to think of something outlandish i mean I thought it was really odd that a team gets to bring its home court <laughs> down to Orlando <laughs> like I'm like okay how are you going to get all the pieces down there and i mean it, it's not really your home court to begin with so i don't know how that's going to really i don't know it's, it's it seems like a dumb idea for there um i don't as far as i don't know i it's hard to come up with a gimmick that makes things interesting this year i mean we saw baseball trying to do a, about as wacky as they could get mm-hmm. with their playoff concept. And uh, I I think this is just a year of unusual circumstances, and there's really not a whole lot you can do to make it weirder or crazier than it already is. So um, maybe try some wackiness next year when it's back to a normal season.
0: Be- so. Before we hit the break and we move on to – uh, the worst coaching firings in college football history. Here's your stat of the day, and maybe even a little trivia to go with it, because we're talking about trend-setting and doing something new in the postseason for the, uh, for NHL hockey. And your stat of the day is that the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1932 were the first team who had the Stanley Cup presented to them on ice after they clinched the championship. So, 1932, the Maple Leafs were the first team presented with the Stanley Cup trophy on ice after winning the championship. Here's a trivia question, though, for you, Ryan. They didn't start, you know, the tradition right now is that uh, the captain of the Stanley Cup winning team, after they clinched the the championship, the captain hoists the trophy over his head, and does a lap around the ice, and everyone does it following the captain, but that didn't become a tradition until who started doing that? Do you know?
1: Oh, that's a tough one.
0: Um. um maybe Gordie Howe? Yeah, right <laughs> team. Right team, but not Gordie Howe. Uh, Our Red Wing listeners will like it. I'm guessing Iserman? <laughs> no, 1950 was the year. Okay. It was Ted Lindsey. Ted Lindsay, okay. Ted Lindsay was the first captain to ever hoist the cup over his head after it was presented to him, following the game uh, that clinched the cup and skate a lap around the arena with it so that is your stat and trivia of the day as uh, we 're going through a trend setting year for professional hockey let 's take our next time out when we come back the worst firings in the history of college football will discuss next on UP. lawns and gardens grow better on topsoil than on rocks ishpamin concrete is now open for you to get your planting season started get a half yard of topsoil gently loaded into your pickup truck for just 18 bucks that's a whole lot less than the 25 bags you'd need from the home store sweeten up your plantings and fix your lawn from the ravages of winter topsoil the softer side of ishpamin concrete 400 stone street behind rocks Robbins Flooring, open weekdays 8 till 4.30, locally owned with a total commitment to quality. There's no contact paying with a credit card, and you don't need to leave your vehicle. Now open Saturdays, 7 to noon. Now back to the Sports
1: Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop.
0: been arrested for domestic violence. Crawford allegedly choked his girlfriend and slammed her head against a wall after threatening her with a handgun back in May. That's too bad. I I, like to call Crawford when he was a player. Oklahoma State men's basketball has been hit with a one-year postseason ban due to NCAA violations. The program will also lose three scholarships over the next two years be placed on a three-year probation period and must pay a $10,000 fine. And finally, goats don't have upper teeth. All of a goat's teeth are located on their bottom jaw. That is your spouse huh. Interrupted. You, did you know that, Ryan? I did not know that. I didn't first. either, but how about that? Goats are fascinating creatures.
1: I mean, we have an obsession with goats because it seems like every day someone's putting a goat on their tweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who is the greatest of all time? Who is the goat? Well, just look for whoever has... No teeth what, on their what upper jaw. Well,
1: What I always thought was funny is how that switched. Because before, in sports, if you were considered the goat, you were the loser. You you were the guy who screwed up. Mm. You know, in the game, you you cost your team a victory. Now, when people think goat, it, it's a positive thing. So I got to say kudos to the goat as a creature for literally turning it around and <laughs> going from
0: horrible. Too fantastic <laughs> in a short period of time. That's impressive. Uh, I tell you what, sport sports culture is great. Uh, Ryan, you found something that was really interesting in the sense that it is a, a listing of some of the worst firings in all of college football. I've got a few ideas. Once you told me about this, I had a few ideas about who might be on there. But was there anything interesting that you came across that you thought, yeah, I really agree with this one, or? I, I didn't think of this one originally or something like that. What Any of that stood out as notable or remarkable to you?
1: Well, um, I guess I was flipping through to find, you know, funny stories for the funnies. And I just came upon um, Hero Sports, for those who don't know. They like to do, like, you know, top ten lists and debatable topics. And they had this, and I was just fascinated by it. For me, the one that stands out the most is what the Gophers did. Because I was living in the Minnesota at the time. And I remember it vividly. The Gophers fired Glenn Mason for basically his team collapsing in the inside bowl, that game against Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was an awful collapse. But Glenn Mason was the most successful coach that the Gophers had. I mean, there was that brief heyday with Lou Holtz in the 80s. But, you know the gophers their best time was in the you know way back when their last what big ten championship was in 1960 or something like that or their last national championship was in 1960 glenn mason got them to back to their bowl games in the 90s he got them sustained success i mean were they going to be is is mrs minnesota national title program probably not I mean, maybe it's getting there with P.J. Fleck, but at the time, it was, let's just see if we can get back to going to bowl games, and he got them there, and then the Gophers fired Len Mason, and rather than go after someone with experience, they hired Tim Brewster, who was a NFL tight ends coach who had zero college coaching experience, not just a head coach. He wasn't even a coordinator. He had never coached at the college level, and they thought this guy who coaches tight ends in the NFL, that's who we want to lead our program, and he was a disaster. And and the hire was laughable at the time, and it's now even more laughable as the years go by, and the fact that A.D. Joel Maturi thought, yeah, this is the guy I want. That's the one that stands out to me.
0: And, uh, and by the way, people forget that Lou Holtz did briefly coach at Minnesota, you know, and people forget, I think, other than maybe seeing him in the blind side, he also coached at South Carolina. But uh, nonetheless, you're right. I <laughs> you think about what Minnesota's standard was for football. Now they're starting to get back to it, maybe a little bit yeah. with P.J. Fleck. Um, but I tell you what, Ryan, I'm thinking about some other firings that I thought were bad that just weren't out warranted or called for. I can think of a lot of hirings that were like that. Firings, though, that's a little bit tougher. And I'll, I'll be honest, I used to think the less Miles firing from LSU was just terrible, but uh, that obviously turned out to be pretty darn okay for them. Um, how about USC when uh, they let go of Ed Orgeron on an interim basis? They replace him with Clay Helton. They go from Steve Sarkeesian to a guy who has success with a team that was just awful halfway through the year, and then decide Clay Helton is the guy.
1: I thought that was a poor decision. And USC hasn't been really the same, no. You know, since then, um, another one that stands out to me is what Nebraska did with Frank Solich. Ooh, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, he was the heir. He was the heir to Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne said he wasn't going to retire unless Frank Solich was the head coach of Nebraska. Frank Solich, in his first four years, won 42 games which is something that Osborne wasn't able to do until year six, you know, to year six through nine. He was fired after those four years. Two years later, he was fired after a nine-and-three season. I think Nebraska would kill to be nine-and-three. <laughs> well, yeah, you could say the same thing about Bo Pelini with that firing. Yeah. I mean, they they had – I mean, was Nebraska wasn't winning – Titles, But they were still, at the time, they were a respectable program. Mm -hmm. People wanted to watch Nebraska. People wanted to play for Nebraska. Now it's like they're so far down that nobody really respects them. They're not what they used to be. And uh, that's what I laugh at is Nebraska dumped him for Bill Callahan, (laughs) who was – more famous for screwing up the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay when he was with the Raiders. Oh, you know, so. and then
0: they they replace Bo Pelini with Mike Riley, the guy who looked like he he came out of the tunnel in uh, Mister Rogers sweater. But you know nobody knew who <laughs> this guy was. Everyone <laughs> in the state of Nebraska is googling who the heck is Mike Riley when they announced that he's going to be the head coach.
1: Yeah, I just I thought that was a poor decision. I got um. Tennessee getting rid of Phil Fulmer. Yeah, that was, was the one I was gonna bring up. Season.
0: Yeah.
1: I Phil Fulmer got the Vols their first national title since, you know, the war in Vietnam. <laughs> 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 it's like that's a huge accomplishment. But because he didn't win more during his tenure, oh that means he's a failure and Tennessee has not been the same
0: since then. Um uh, who who's that coach um it was probably a little over 10 years ago i think matt ryan was the quarterback at boston college at the time they had a coach with just some impossible name to try and pronounce but uh, i think jeff, jeff jeff jagodzinski <laughs> that might be it it was something something like that that uh, i just didn't even try but i think matt ryan was his quarterback and bc was actually nationally relevant then and but again he d- didn't win enough for their liking they thought he could go another level to it and they've run through Uh, Coach who doesn't do anything, who barely gets him to the, I don't know, the bad boy mower's Gasparilla Bowl. (laughs) Which, by the way, way, does not sponsor the Gasparilla Bowl. And I'm so disappointed
1: about that. (laughs) Um, But another thing with Jeff Jagodzinski is that he was fired – one of the big reasons was he interviewed for the job with the Jets, Mm -hmm. you know? The Jets had their head coaching opening, you know, in the uh, late aughts or it was the early 10s or whatever. So Mm -hmm. Jeffs, they interviewed Jeff for the job, and their AD said, if you interview this job, you're not going to be our coach anymore. And he said, okay. So he interviewed him and was promptly fired. So I – BC hasn't been the same since. (laughs) It's like – You fired a guy because he interviewed for an NFL job? Mm -hmm. I mean, the logic there just doesn't make
0: any sense (laughs) to me. Like, people interview for jobs all the time, you know? That would be like, like, and honestly, I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that job ended up going to Eric Mangini, remember him?
1: Yeah, I think it actually was the guy. It no. went to,
0: so. Eric Mangini, who, by the way, I remember at one point people were calling him Eric Manginius, and that just belongs in Freezing Cold Takes.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he. he Eric Mangini's known for Spygate more than
0: actually <laughs> for anything else.
1: But I was just like, you know how many times over the years that. College departments know that if they have a really good coach, people are going to be looking at them. Mm -hmm. You know, bigger, you know, more established college programs are going to be looking for them. The pros might be looking for them. And they might get an interview for two. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take it, Mm -hmm. but there's really no shame in it. And it's like, I can't imagine as an AD being that hardcore about it that you're willing to get rid of a successful coach just because you're that insecure, (laughs) you know, it just, I, I just don't understand that one. Those are the ones, those are, that's the list of the ones that stand out to me the most. It's like
0: some of these schools think that they have such football tradition and prowess that going seven and five, eight and four is not good enough that, you know, where, where does Boston college get off as being one of those schools that has that kind of standard Uh, That you have a coach who's actually giving you consistent success uh, at least on some level national relevancy or at least respectability But no, that's not good enough. We need to get rid of you because you're eight and four We're gonna go hire the Steve Adazio's of the world who I believe just got fired as well Yeah, it's just uh,
1: Some schools have such giant egos that they think they're better than they really are Mm -hmm. And you just gotta say okay, we're not Alabama. We're not, you know, USC. We're not well, Texas of course is Texas back. That's gonna be the question <laughs> that gets asked at some point this year. But, you know, we're not Michigan, we're not Ohio State. You know, you realize that you know, and seven and five, eight and four is not gonna cut it at those schools. Mm-hmm. But at a school like B C, which was ranked in the top ten during the Matt Ryan era, mm-hmm. weren't they? Like maybe the top five at one point and that isn't good enough for you mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it just you're not going to be a six-star team when you play if you're playing ncaa football the video game you mean there's one star programs up to six star programs i'm pretty sure bc is like a three <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you're you're good but you're not a powerhouse no. so just kind of Take what you can get. If you manage to somehow become a powerhouse, then yeah, maybe you can have higher standards. But just know your role <laughs> and just be okay with that. And if you go do better than expected, fine. But if a guy is like giving you like two and ten, three and nine seasons, yeah. But if a guy's getting you to bowl games, maybe sometimes even New Year's Day games, like a nine and three record,
0: I don't know why you'd have a problem with that. Ryan with you UP, let's take our last time out. Friday Funny's next. We've invented a new messaging system using the crisp sounds of Bud Light. Crisp code lesson forty-two. This is how you say happy hour. It's happy hour. Let's go get some Bud Lights. That's it for today. Brewed with no corn syrup. Bud Light. Crisp. Enjoy responsibly. Bud Light Beer. Anheuser-Busch. St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop.
0: that you're along as always we end fridays with the friday funnies that's how we send ourselves into the weekend ryan's kind enough to track down some of the most funny things in the wide world of sports and maybe even beyond that and this week is no different what do you have ryan well to start off have you ever seen ferris bueller's
1: day off oh yeah it's a great movie yeah okay well apparently 35 years ago today ferris bueller took the day off and went to a cubs game Mm. That's just a fun little trivia thing. Um, If you haven't seen the movie, which I can't believe you haven't after this (laughs) long time, but he takes the day out, he sneaks out of school and does a bunch of fun stuff in downtown Chicago, and he goes to a Cubs game. And back then, the Cubs only played during the day. Mm -hmm. You know, They didn't play a night game until 1988. So when that movie came out, I think it was in 85, all their games were during the day. So people who were like, at work in Chicago would, like, have the game on the radio while they work. It was kind of a unique thing for the Cubs for the longest time. That's kind of like their marketing standpoint. Hey, we're the only team that <laughs> plays during the day. So, But today, 35 years ago, Ferris Bueller took the day off and went to a Cubs game. I think they played Atlanta, and Atlanta was wearing its wacky blue uniforms <laughs> in the movie. So, there you go. There's your fun little trivia thing for the day. What's the score? 0-0. Um,
0: zero, zero. Who's winning? Cubs. <laughs> I love that line. Ed Rooney. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, we don't love what he's become in real life afterwards, but <laughs> yeah. as a character,
1: as a character, he was he was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so a North American goalie. I found this out the other day. Um was playing in Europe and decided to... Soccer? What was
0: that? Is it soccer or what sport? Uh, We're we're talking hockey. The North
1: American goalie was playing in Europe and decided to manipulate his own stats on elite prospects. Mm. Okay? Um, The goalie plays in the league that does not publish um, save percentage on the league website. He has a bad GAA and wants him to make himself look more attractive to teams by having an impressive save percentage. So what he does is registers a domain. This this is a really complicated process just to improve your stats. But he registers a domain with the same name as the website, but with an extra hyphen in the URL, grabs screenshots of official game seats, photoshops the screenshots, adding shots on goal for both him and the opposing goalies. That could have taken him hours. Oh, yeah then uploads the screenshots to the, lead, the fake lead website, and creates a URL redirect on the fake website so it directs to the official website without the extra 5 in it if something other than a game sheet link is entered in the browser. He stocks up an elite prospect's staff member online writes him an email and informs the league that was says that the league was too lazy to calculate proper save percentage he has calculated his percentage for us and provides links to all the official game sheets which he has manipulated and uploaded to this fake website okay (laughs) elite prospects has said if an incorrect number in a somewhat prominent league is entered An Elite Prospects user will most surely inform us within a week or so. It's funny that this new league website shares the same IP address and range as some other domains registered in your name. Also so weird that it's not registered in a European country, but in North America. (laughs) (laughs) You are now blacklisted with us. He said, meaning future update requests coming for you will be ignored. And they ended it with, you should probably retire because we
0: believe you could have a more successful career in IT. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I give him credit. That was complicated, but wow. I mean, I don't encourage you know malfeasance, what have you, but that's uh, you, you got to respect the work ethic, I guess. I've only put that into being a goalie.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's a funny in the fa- it's funny in the fact of how much effort he put in just to say he had a good safe person. <laughs> it's like I mean, in the amount of time it could have taken him a couple days to do all this, and. It's an it's all a lie, you know? It's not like this is a screw-up that was bad, you know, like, hey, my stats were off, let me fix this. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to lie <laughs> and say it. I mean, you now you're banned from Elite Prospects, which is the premier website, not from a marketing standpoint, like I'm making a jingle for them, but it is the premier website if you're wanting to keep track of stats for various players around the country. So... There's your funny. There is some guy was willing to put that much effort into doing that. Uh, the Baltimore Sun. <laughs> did you see their tweet they sent out about Robert Kraft? No. It Wasn't that great? It was a couple years. It was a couple of weeks ago. But they said Robert Kraft did an interview and he was talking about how he thinks the schedule would play out as planned for this year. And they headlined it with. Robert Kraft sees a happy ending for the NFL. (laughs) Now, as people know, Bob Kraft was involved in that masseuse parlor (laughs) incident (laughs) a few months ago, and the title of a happy ending for the NFL was just too (laughs) pricey. It's like whoever did that either knew what they were doing. Oh, they had to know what they were doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or they were just really naive. <laughs> and I'm guessing it's they knew what they were doing. But the Baltimore Sun deleted it, reworded the headline and apologized. But by that point, people you know, thousands upon thousands have seen it and got a great laugh during the day. So in some ways it actually was a positive thing for the site. So that was that was a funny moment for the day. Um so are you, I forgot. Are you a wrestling fan at all? Um,
0: not really. I mean, I know of it. You know, my dad is huge into it, so he'll appreciate whatever fun you have coming okay. up and to do it.
1: Right. Well, you know, the WWE legend, The Undertaker, mm-hmm. recently retired, and he's been going rounds, and WWE did this documentary. It's like the last dance, but the last ride mm-hmm. in Over The Undertaker's career. And he said that Hulk Hogan tried to make him look bad. In 1991, after The Undertaker beat him for the title at Survivor Series in 1991, he Hulk Hogan said to management that The Undertaker hurt his neck mm. with his finishing move. Um, he didn't. <laughs> um, they make it very clear. In pro wrestling, I mean, yeah, it's staged. But when they do their finishing move, they do it so they don't you know, intentionally hurt someone. Mm. So, but Hulk Hogan pretended that he had a very serious neck injury and that he deserved to have the title back. He said that after the match, he was saying, oh, get my wife and kids on the phone. This is too painful. And he didn't even hurt his neck in any way. So kind of your funny moment of that is Hulk Hogan manipulated management into saying that the Undertaker hurt him, therefore he should get the title back. (laughs) Faking an injury. (laughs) For a scripted event. For a scripted event. It is, it's it's about as dumb as what the guy did with the (laughs) leapfrog. It's like... What? I don't get it. I mean, it's like, okay, ask for a rematch, then. On, um, okay, I deserve it. You know, we'll have a revenge thing, to sell an event. No, I'm gonna pretend I was seriously injured so badly that my wife and kids need to be called in case I end up going to the hospital over something that didn't happen. And uh, let's just say the Undertaker said he lost a lot of respect for. A while. <laughs> And I did, too, as I heard about this video. So, um, moving from pro wrestling to hockey, um, Lightning Forward, Alex Killen, I don't know if people know him, but Mm -hmm. he's a solid forward for the Lightning, decided to do a tribute to Mighty Ducks 2 and did it with jet skis. So, for those who don't know, in D2, they get the whole gang back together, and they all put on rollerblades. They go to various locations around Minneapolis, and they're like, and they yell to the players saying, "Hey, Fulton, come on, we got the team back together." Get the duck call. And they do the duck call. The quack attack is back, Jack, as (laughs) Aderman says. And then, well, the (coughs) Lightning—he decided he was going to attribute it (coughs) by going to his teammates, and instead of rollerblading, they went through like the. You know Tampa Bay and the canals they have there on jet skis, <laughs> and they would pick up various guys, and the guys would drop on their own, jump on their own jet skis, and they'd cruise around the bay together, and they cruised in a flying V, all around Tampa Bay, huh. on jet skis, imitating V2 the Mighty Ducks, and they tried to imitate the scenes fairly consistently. Um, one guy I can't remember who it was was. Pretending to be a waiter and was handing out like food to people, and then in the middle of it, quits his job, sprints out the door, and hops <laughs> on a jet ski, and <laughs> in a like polo shirt and jeans, and takes off with the guys on a jet ski. It's it, it's interesting to watch, and I I applaud them. I mean, I'm not a fan of D2. I've said so on the show, but it's uh. To put that much effort into making a video, and then to end it, they're like, "Hey, the Bolt Boys are back," and they're playing. Uh, the boys are back in town the whole time during this video, and they're like, "The bolts are back," and then in parentheses, and they said, "With proper social distance. <laughs> 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 And I thought I I applaud the amount of time they put into making this because. That had uh, that you had to coordinate a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah,
0: to, like where do you get jet skis for all that? Yeah, you
1: have to get jet skis for everybody, and you have to go to locations all over the city <laughs> and make sure you time it correctly. And then at one point, one of the guys shoves <laughs> another guy into the bay, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 an interesting video, and I uh, I applaud the effort there. I guess the last one I found was Melvin Gordon taking shots at Chargers fans. Mm -hmm. As we've mentioned on the show, and we've made fun of Chargers, the Chargers um, so many times for their lack of fan support, playing in a soccer stadium that ended up being maybe 90% the opposing team's fans, (laughs) like when the Steelers came or the Chiefs came or anybody, um, you saw more of the opposing team's colors than any of the Chargers' colors. Mm -hmm. Well... Now, the Chargers are <laughs> sadly in their own self esteem, now sharing a stadium with the Rams. And Melvin Gordon is now with the Broncos. And they're talking about social distancing. You know, is the league going to start without fans or maybe limited fans? You know, where like there's only like three or four fans in a row, you know, that kind of stuff. And he said, I wouldn't mind the lack of fans <clears throat> because I played with the Chargers for three years bro, we didn't have fans anyway. <laughs> he said, said much loyalty and love to the fans we did have, but we didn't have many, so I'm not missing any." <laughs> I tell you uh, what, I, that's the
0: content we need. Like, Yeah. A, a,
1: a jab at opposing fans as opposing teams saying, you know, I played basically in front of opposing crowds <laughs> all season long, and... I'm used to having zero fans in the crowd. I thought that was a great way for him
0: to put it. You know, and that's just like one of the my favorite parts of the week is when we get a laugh. We have the Friday funnies. We always we need more laughs, more reason to do so here and shoot. So that's that's a great way to send us into the weekend and times out really well, man. I appreciate you always taking your time, coming on here and figuring out the funnies, what have you. You and I, I'm sure are gonna be talking again soon, but stay safe and be well. We'll keep in touch. All right, sounds good. Thanks. That's it for us here at ESPN-UP. Thanks for tuning in. For Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops on ESPN-UP WZAM. Marquette.